Episode 71 of the Rollin' Ramblin' Podcast with Steve Bertrand. And I was just looking at the number, 71, and I bring this up every once in a while talking about cars, but the 68, 1968 to 1972, in my opinion, is always seems to be very pivotal in the muscle car era for me. The 70s started to do the whole... Uh, EPA regulation, gas regulation type thing, and it they started. It was it wasn't sorry, it wasn't EPA. It was it was the insurance. the The insurance started going doing horsepower ratings on on muscle cars. So if you had a muscle car that was from the factory, your insurance went nuts. But sixty eight to seventy two for Oldsmobile, for instance, they looked very similar. There was some big changes in sixty nine and seventy, but I would still take any of those any of those years of Oldsmobile as a choice of car, and same with the Chevrolet Chevelle, right? Sixty-eight to seventy-two, pretty cool looking car. I'm always going to lean a little bit further towards sixty-nine seventy for both of those as well, and you know, then we've got Pontiac, similar things with the with the. With the GTO and all that, right? Mind you, with Pontiac, I'd probably go even earlier than that, 64, 65. But point is, we're getting into the numbers of the podcast that I start thinking about muscle cars. And I start thinking about different passions and things that have been happening for me. And starting to focus on the future a little bit more than I have been. So, a couple days ago, I told you that I started listening to some Jordan Peterson stuff, and a uh, friend Jordan uh, passed me on a podcast that I started listening to, and then him and I got talking, and I never finished it, but it was basically about Jordan Peterson's rise and fall from fame, so I'll have to check that podcast out again and finish it up. Uh, but anyway, his new book is super awesome. All the things that he went through with the tragedy of you know, his his drug addiction and all that stuff from anti-anxiety meds and going through, you know, medically induced coma and being in Russia and then his daughter's surgeries in Switzerland and, and all those types of things. Regardless of all of that stuff, by the way, uh, public service announcement, it is never irregardless of anything. I hate that word. I don't even think it's an actual word. In, and if they make it a word, I'm going to punch myself in the face thousands of times because it's ridiculous. Regardless is the actual term that you use. So regardless of all the stuff, your opinions of of Jordan Peterson, your opinions of Tony Robbins, your opinions of even me, Mr. Rolling Motivation. Here's the gem. Here is the gem, or maybe the jam on the cracker, uh, the meat and taters, whatever you want to call it. The fact of the matter is this. I am always going to believe that Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Les Brown, Brian Tracy, all those guys kind of started the industry of self-help. Everyone talks, like in the self-help industry and law of attraction BS, uh, and not that it's all BS, but I'll get into that in a sec. They all talk about, you know, some some Earl Nightingale stuff, and Earl Nightingale kind of maybe was a bit of a pioneer, and then there's also... 
I don't know if it was around the same time or maybe Napoleon Hill and Think and Grow Rich was before all that. I don't consider that part of that. I think it's a great, great piece of material. The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale, all of that stuff. Uh, but what I think of when I think of all those things is I think the people that I get attracted to in that realm is the practicality of the individual. Yes, Tony Robbins is wonderful because he, even in the virtual event, you know, he fires you up, he gets to make movements, he's playing music, he's doing all the stuff, and you stay fired up for a couple of weeks. You listen to Jordan Peterson and he tells you to clean your room and dress nice and that's the realm that I'm in right now. And I need to make that last more than two weeks. Jim Rohn, when I would listen to him before, I would go through fits and starts of getting all excited. And Jim says this, and, and you know, don't make a million dollars for making a million dollars. Make it for what you become on the journey of making the million dollars. Any sort of variation of that. Zig Ziglar, your attitude determines your altitude in his nice southern drawl and his voice. I like all that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, if you do not apply it on a regular basis, you will fall. I, I talk about my struggles a lot. Because I think it's very important for people to recognize all the things that are happening to them on a regular basis, more often than not, and I'm not excusing, I'm not, I'm not lumping in tragedies with that, I'm not saying that tragedies don't happen that are unforeseen, I'm not ever going to say that if you have a negative experience in your life that, that you, you know, attracted all of those things, some things just happen. Yes, do I think that at some point, there is some link to some of the results that you have. Yes. Right. But most people don't want to track that far back. Right. For instance, for me to look at the fact that I, you know, I've, I've gone on this fitness journey, this quote-unquote weight loss journey for the last however many years, or, you know, just trying to be healthier and lighter and walking and, and all of that stuff. I used to be a lot thinner than this. And as you get older, you get heavier. But if I really want to be accountable for it, I have to look back and say, all those times when I had a girlfriend that ended up losing like 118 pounds while we were together, 63 pounds when we were together and another 60-some, uh, close to 60 when we were apart, I believe it was. I think it was 118 pounds altogether she lost. But the entire time of our relationship, I just ate whatever I wanted. I ate like crap. I played sports sometimes, but I just didn't really give a shit. And, you know, a lot of that made me bigger. And then when I got through staph infection, you know, just put the weight on. And then you got to always fight it. But I am to blame with a lot of the weight struggles that I have had in the past. I'm 100% to blame. Relationships that did or didn't work out, I'm... I'm to, I'm a lot to blame in those, you know, they're not one side, they're not one sided. So I can't blame myself. You know, this last relationship, there's things I could have done differently. It wouldn't have changed why it ended. I don't believe, but there's definitely things I could do differently, uh, down the road and in the future. So there is always some sort of level of accountability that an individual, an individual has to have. 
But what I've sort of realized is that most people don't want to do the work to look at all the things that they've done to link them to the path that they're on. We do it a lot more with positive stuff. You know, I think about, like, I was having this conversation with, with a friend Jordan last night, and he's going to be on the podcast, even though uh, he keeps listening and saying he needs to be on the podcast. So, uh, Jordan, sir, get on the podcast. We'll figure it out. But we were talking a little bit about this kind of stuff last night, about whether you speak about stuff that you don't want or you do want. There is a level of practicality that that stuff comes in. And I'm not going to just attribute it to this mystical sort of power, even though I think it has some of that. I think you speak things into existence in a lot of different ways. I think mainly the big reason is you, you speak it into your mindset and then you speak it into your actions after that, right? Like once it's in your mind, it's in your actions. And then your actions go towards a certain direction, even if you are unaware of it. Think about the times that you get up in the morning and you feel like crap and then you check your phone and then you see some crappy news and you somehow just completely ignore the good news. And then you keep feeling crappier and crappier and crappier and then you're slow to get ready. You're slow to put your pants on. You're slow to do all these things. Then you're rushing so you don't get a chance to eat. Then you're late to get in the car and because you're rushing you forgot to lock your door. And then you forgot to grab your keys. So then you got to go all the way back upstairs. Then you're extra late. Then your whole day is screwed. Someone's yelling at you for being late from, for work. And you feel like a piece of crap. Now, all of those things have happened to me in my past. And they happened to me for a long period of time. Now, the current climate of everything has really taken its toll on a lot of people's mentality. But regardless, this is the point I was trying to make of, of, regardless of what you think of things like Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn and Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson basically, the reason why I am enjoying his stuff right now is because he doesn't seem like a guy that is larger than life. I mean, Tony Robbins can tell his story till he's blue in the face, that he was poor, he went hungry, um, you know, he was 30, 38 pounds overweight and he developed all these things and he, he figured out how to do all this stuff and he's gone through this journey. It's relatable to some degree because you can see the pictures a little bit. But it's way more relatable when you have somebody like a David Goggins who shows you the overweight pictures and he worked his tail off to, to lose 106 pounds in three months. And then you look at somebody like Jordan Peterson who gives you these rules in life and he applies them to his own life and still through the tragedy finds a way to write a book and, and do all the things that he's done. And he is very open and honest, very wordy because he's a clinical psychologist. He is also Canadian, which is kind of cool. He's very aware of his own behavior. And the podcast that I was listening to has a big theory on the fact that a lot of what he, he did, some of the controversy and things, I believe what will end up coming out of it is the fact that he, it, it was very calculated for him to, to rise to prominence. And now he's sort of disappeared again. And it'll be interesting to see the rest of that because I don't want to make any, any judgments or assumptions based on that before I've listened to it. But 
the fact of the matter is, if I had an opportunity to create some controversy and grow my own brand, at one point in my life I would have done it. Now, if I can speak for Mr. Peterson, if he has a chance to do it again, probably won't do it the same way because of the repercussions that he had in his own life based on that. I don't know if the, the payoff is worth it. I mean, the cash is probably worth it. Set him up. He's able to do different things and travel to different places that he wasn't able to travel to before, so maybe it is worth it for him. I'd have to ask him directly. But I can tell you something that I have learned over this whole process of trying to be an internet guru, trying to be Mr. Rolling Motivation. At one point, I even said things like, I want to be the next Tony Robbins. I want to be the Tony Robbins of people in wheelchairs. I really like Jim Rohn. I want to be a motivational speaker. I want to inspire people. I, run on, I want to run workshops. I want to be an author. I want to change the world for people. I want to be that guy. Rah, 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 headset in front of people on a stage. And I don't want that anymore. Then I went to be an accessibility consultant and get businesses on board to become more accessible and do an assessment and pay me for the assessment. And I don't want to do that anymore. Now, the big turn with all of those things, the reason why I bring those two things up is because I will soon to be working on a project, I don't quite know the details, of helping one of the, uh, it's called the uh, Disability Resource Center here in Victoria, I'm going to be helping them put together a presentation on disability awareness. Now the reason why I'm qualified for that job is because of all the th things that I've done with my consulting business, the, the Toastmasters classes that I went to for five years, the competitions that I went in, all the YouTube stuff, all the podcasting, all the speeches that I've done, helping friends write speeches, all of those things allowed me this opportunity to, to do this. I'm qualified for it. I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it out loud on a podcast for anyone to listen to, I believe I am overqualified for this position, and I am super excited. Super excited to put this thing together. I'm super excited to be part of something that has the backing of a bit of an infrastructure where people are there for a resource for people with disabilities, and now we're building things, uh, presentations and courses, and I don't know if you want to call it a course, but it's a presentation, resources, uh, a almost like a library or a glossary or it is a resource. The whole thing, calling it a disability resource center is great because the whole thing is a resource resource for those with, with people with disabilities. That's where you go to get your accessible parking placard when, you know, people that need the, the sticker. That's, that's if you, if you need a job or you need employment help, if you're somebody with a disability, that's the place that you go because they can put you in the right direction even if they can't help you directly. It just makes sense. And yeah, it's it's a limited opportunity and it's it's a short-term thing and it's still in the works. And I don't know the details yet. But if I hadn't have gone through the the Mr. Rolling Motivation and the accessibility consulting, I wouldn't have been qualified for this. 
not to the level that I am now. Now, do I believe that I've needed to go through everything that I went through in order to qualify for certain things, or is every tragedy something that can be turned into a positive? No, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's things that I could have gone through in my life that helped me move forward, and there are things that that I could have avoided in in my life. Right? There are opportunities I didn't take in previous years that I probably should have that would have set me up different. Hell, I think even if I didn't date my first girlfriend when I was when like I, I dated her, I think from when I was like 18 to to 22 or so, I think it was four years. And, and it should have ended way sooner than it did when we were young. And I feel like if, if I didn't have that relationship, I would be in a different place. I think there are some jobs that I took that I didn't need to have. Like the one when I worked for Tom Harris, the, the Telestore, the only good thing that come, came out of that working for that store was the fact that I met um, one of my friends, Jeff, and his wife. I met them through that process. And he's a good buddy. Like, And that's valuable enough, but the hell that I went through working for that job, I don't think I need it. I don't think I, I, don't think I need it. And, and again, who knows if I wouldn't have met uh, Jeff and, and Mel at some other point in time. I don't know, but I could have definitely done without the staff infection. I could have definitely done without a lot of things that happened in my life. Not everything needs to be a learning experience and not everything needs to be something that we grow from. But, you know, I think there's, there is a lot to be said for correlating previous experiences and behaviors to current events. So that makes it even more important to make appropriate decisions when when needing to. And I don't say overthink everything to the point of where you're then worried about every single option because that can be bad news too. Sometimes you just need to act. If you're if you're in a situation of indecision, you need to act and be okay with that decision and deal with the consequences. But this idea that that everything is not somehow connected is ridiculous. But also, on the other end of that, that absolutely everything that happens to you, good or bad, happens because of actions. I can't say that 100% on either of those things. I, I'll, let's just put an arbitrary number on it and say 95% of that stuff. But there is 5% on either side of those situations that is random and luck and and all those things luck plays a big part in a lot of this stuff and i have my religious belief and my faith and all that stuff but i don't know i don't know if i can attribute all of my luck to god i'm not 100 percent sure i don't know if he would be upset by that or not i don't think he should be but i'm just sort of questioning how much of the stuff that we can control but even if we say 95 percent of things uh that happen to us are based on actions uh, that we have previously gone through in the past. I think that's a pretty good number to, to pay attention to what we do and the causation possibilities of what happens in the future. Anyway, this has been episode 71 of the Rolling Ramblin' Podcast. 
talk to you soon.